All right, so we're back. We want to welcome you to Table Talk Tuesday again this week. And this week we are, uh, it's a great honor, privilege. We're excited to have Sinclair CV with us uh, today. Welcome to the table, Sinclair. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah. excited to be here. Well, it's good, you know, because um, Sinclair, uh, you and, and several others have been in a small group for many years, uh, faithfully leading and participating. And I think this season, uh, really dovetailing the messages on Sunday, the gospel, you guys are using right now media. Right. As yeah, we've, studies. What's that? Yeah, we've added in um, right now media. Um, okay. Currently, we're doing a, a study from Tim Keller. It's an eight-week study oh, yeah. about the, the gospel in life and how we live out the gospel each and every day. Yeah, so good. So complimenting, really, uh, what we're seeing in Luke. Right. I think. So yeah. that's great. And, and shameless plug, if you're not familiar with the Right Now Media, familiarize yourself. A lot of great studies. So good. Glad to get you guys are using that. But well, welcome to the table. Pastor Brady, good to, to have you back. back. <laughs> Glad to be back. I missed it last week. Good to be here. Yeah, well, good it's it's good to have you, and we appreciate your message uh, Sunday. And uh, really an important message on, uh, we're in Luke chapters 5 and 6, a few passages that we put together, because they all speak to the idea of Jesus calling his first followers, technically his apostles, sometimes we yeah. refer to as disciples, yeah. but where he calls them and where he, you know, really calls them to follow. So before we get into that, uh, any aha moments from the sermon or Sinclair just studying scripture this week? Yeah. Um, what really stood out to me this week, again, there were so many great different parts yeah, to it, yeah. but um, it was something that David had said in the, mm. in the sermon. So um, it was commenting on the authority of the, God's word. Yeah. And in, in verse one, I picked up um, on my own study, you know, his uh, acceptance of the word of God, but it wasn't until... Um, David said it in verse five when he says, but at your word, I will let down my nets. And, mm. and I just kind of passed and glanced right over that. Um, but yeah. it, it was it really stood out to me. Um, other translations will say, you know, because I said so. And, and it was the idea that, you know, Peter coming in from the from the, yeah. you know, fishing all night and here. Jesus is asking him to go back out again, but it's mm. because it has that authority yeah. and it, the way that Jesus said it to him that he was able to to go back out and really reap the the reward and the, and succeed. Um, kind of reminds me of of following God's word yeah. and, and and really having that determination to, to push through when you have lean times and then really having that moment of success when uh, when everything comes together with God's will. Yeah, that's a great point, Sinclair. In fact, I think later we may have a little bit of conversation around why it's so difficult for us to hear that same authority or mm -hmm. obey or comply to that same authority today. But great. David, anything in your sermon prep or as I you... I think uh, more of a reflection afterwards. You know, we think about James and John and Peter. Wow, what, what, what a great big decision they made. They left everything yeah. and followed Jesus. But if we follow their lives through the Gospels, we realize that they were very, very imperfect people. Mm. Remember, Peter is the one who would deny the Lord before he went to the cross. James and John, I believe, were the two who got the whole group bickering about who is the greatest. So yeah, yeah. though they made a great decision there in response <laughs> to his call, uh, they were still far from perfect disciples. Yeah, yeah. So, Oh, that's 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 great. It, it may help us to remember that since we yeah. all know we're so imperfect ourselves. Yeah. And yet equally called. Equally called. Yeah. Equally. Oh, that's great. Well, I think, you know, something, David, for me that you pointed out that um, as I'm looking ahead, even 
and a little bit of insight into next week, that you talked about this pattern that we're going to see throughout the gospel, that when um, Jesus is is present or he performs something or he teaches or says a word, that the pattern is first individuals recognize who he is. You know, in Simon's case with the fish, and immediately he knew who he was. But then secondly, that the individuals recognize who they are um, relative to who he is. I'm a sinful man. You know, we see that next week, I think, with the leper who recognized mm-hmm. Jesus and falls to his face first. The humility, the, you know, the, the, just the acknowledgement of that. And then after that, the pattern is be used. Right. Um, right. Be, be, be a follower, be, be used yes. of, of kingdom service, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And so I just I think that was really powerful mm-hmm. uh, that if we recognize who God is, then we recognize who we are in light of that. And then we can be used. I, you know, John Calvin had said that um, two of the most important things that anyone can ever think is, is or think about is, is what they think of God right. and then what they think of themselves. And so in a very similar way. Uh, mm. but, um, but that's the best theology that one can have. Uh, but well, great. Well, that's that's uh, that gets us into it. And Sinclair, we've been asking uh, our guests just to read some of that scripture for us. Uh, would love for you to do that. Sure. I'll start off in Luke five, with verse one through eleven. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the late lake of Gennesaret which um, I think is also the Sea of Galilee, right? We, yes. we know it more commonly. Yeah, yeah. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out with them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, We have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with them were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Transition down to Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 28. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. I think we know him more as as Matthew. Sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And then the last section is going to be from Luke 6, verse 12 through 16. In these days, he went out on the mountain to pray, speaking of Jesus, and all night he continued a prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the zealot, 
and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And what stood out to me there is, is Jesus' intentionality of, of praying the night before this big yes. decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was really choosing his secession plan mm-hmm. <laughs> as he was preparing to right. know, know where the end is going to be, where he was going to leave the earth. And he needed to have people that would continue yeah. his ministry here on earth and, and really build the church from, from these 12 well, the 11 minus, uh, yeah, minus yeah, Judas. Right. Yeah, yeah. So very, very prayerful, uh, very intentional. And that speaks into really uh, modeling how we can approach very important uh, decisions. But also uh, as we see the, the, the followers later and we see the <clears throat> dynamics of the group, knowing that it was it was intentional, those those 12 at the time. So, well, thank you. Appreciate it, Sinclair. Thank you so much. Um, so if you're quite, uh, were you going to say something, David? No. Oh, I thought you had a look no, like there I'm was just this gem of just any question, there, might ask any question we might ask you. Well, I've got a question that was mentioned to me after the service. Okay, this was Terry was talking to me and uh, we uh, he said, um, you know, David was talking about the decisions of following Jesus from a perspective of eternity and how it is always good to give up something to follow more faithfully. The question is, do you have any advice or, you know, maybe a litmus test of sorts for knowing if we should give something up, you know, or should we just sort of modify it and tweak it uh, or, uh, you know, for a missional purpose, or should we just not worry about it? How do, how do we sort of approach those things that when Jesus says, give up everything and, uh, you know, if it's not absolutely everything, right. how do we right. come to those decisions, you know, relationships, vices, the, the good things in life, all of those things, any advice on that? Yeah, it's a broad question, it is. question <laughs> but I think it, it depends. Yeah. Um, I once heard someone say, you can't get good out of a bad thing. So if, it, if it's a bad oh, thing, you okay. don't just modify it. Adultery, you just got to stop. Yeah, okay. Um, you don't give up things God has called you to, your vocation, your marriage, your family, uh, without a very specific calling to leave your job. You never mm-hmm. give up your marriage, your family. And even Peter, you know, he, he was still married. Later, Jesus will heal Peter's mother-in-law. That's right. So we know That's he, right. he kept his marriage intact. Um, I think what his question may be getting to is those things that are more amoral. Um, money, for example. Okay. Money itself is neither good nor bad. It's yeah. the love of money that's the root of all evil. So that's something that would be repurposed in our attitude. Mm-hmm. If, if we have a love of money, the way to change our attitude is to begin to give, to give generously. In fact, I think God provides giving as a way to keep, it, keep us from the love of money from okay. covetousness and break the power of that greed. Yeah, yeah. So I think it depends what it is. Some things you just got to flat stop and turn away from, things like adultery. Um, something like money, yeah, you can change your attitude toward it and your practice of dealing with it. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I, I, I always um, always like to approach that question, you know, because the response is, well, I don't think God is calling me to give up. You know, da, 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 da. he's blessed me. with it. Um, and so then I think the question is really searching your heart. But could you give it up? Could you? Yeah. And I don't know if we reflect on that enough. Mm. You know, this this is where he has me. This right. is what he's allowed me to possess. Could mm. I give it up? And I think we probably could challenge more yes. uh, on that. Um, One of the things that we just um, talked about in our in our small group with the Tim Keller study yeah. was what you worry about or what are your nightmares regarding. Mm. And if you're waking up in the middle of the night with a cold sweat about your job or about having enough money or about some other aspect of your life, that it might be too much of an idol okay. that you have that's 
keeping yeah. you from trusting God completely. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Good well, good. Point. Well, thank. You. Yeah. So, a lot of a lot of conversations after the the sermon yesterday. So, thank you, David. Approach on that. So, um, moving into historical insight. Uh, this week, uh, I think it's um, we, we're introduced to fishermen. And, and the reason, Sinclair asked me a great question before we got started. What are we really trying to get out of the idea of fishermen being, or fishing and fishermen being the historical insight this week, other than it just conveniently is in the passage? Um, you know, what, what, I, what I would suggest is that it is so central to understanding the context of not just being in the shoes of, culturally, geographically, all of that sort of thing. But for the next two plus years of Jesus's ministry, we're going to see parables, we're going to see teachings, we're going to see um, word pictures and examples. Um, all of that is going to be around the idea of fish and fishermen and the lake and the sea. And so I think sometimes we lose perspective and we start to think, well, you know, Simon and them were just out fishing, you know, kind of like I do on Saturday morning without realizing that this was a, a commercial industry. Uh, this was Simon and James and John coming in off a second or third shift, you know, the night shift, catching fish. Uh, they were doing their, their regular job that they were catching most likely a fish called mushed. Um, M-U-S-H-T, which I will say in our small group uh, book, our study, fell the victim of spell check. I wondered about that. <laughs> I said I've never heard of a fish called M-U-S-T. Yes, so there is I've a, never heard of M-U-S-H-T There is an H. Either. There okay. is an H that should be between the S and the T. Heard of that one and that was one of three commercially fished um, fish in the first century. It was the one that was the, 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 the most, uh, you know, available to eat. It was, you know, you know, 12 to 16 inches, uh, and it made a great filet apparently. Mm. So, uh, the, the local captain D's or whatever it was back there, but, um, there were also a, a huge sardine industry that, uh, Magdala, the city there of, of mm. Magdala was mm. known for sardines. Uh, in fact, the Greek name for that city was called the place of preserved fish. Uh, Magdala, which was only six miles from Capernaum. And then uh, carp. There was some carp in the lake there, too. So um, just I, I think I think the last thing I'll say about this is we understand uh, how central it was, not just to that time, but to those that we see throughout the Gospels. You know, we, we've got four, all, you know, J- James and John, Andrew and Simon. Um, but then we're also going to see in John 21, that Thomas and Bartholomew joined them to fish. Uh, they said, yeah, we'll go with you too. You know, that's part of what we want to do. And it says, and two other disciples were with them fishing. And so it, you kind of get this idea as, as, as diverse as that group might've been, a majority of them had a, a history of, of fishing. And so I think it's very central to what we see uh, when Jesus starts to use the examples. I guess I should have started with, do either of you fish? Not in a long time. Not really. Do you, do you fish time. or do you the, enjoy fishing? The answer fishing? is the same for me. My grandfather uh, used to fish, and every time okay. we'd go and visit um, him in Pennsylvania, he would take me out fishing, and I absolutely hate it. Um, <laughs> just there, I'm going to lose some friends over this. I just know it. But just the whole idea of, of the bait and the hook, yeah. getting up early or staying up late, to you know, like, like yeah. they're doing here. They're fishing at night, just never yeah. appealed to me. And then the solitude the patience, yeah. the quiet, especially for a, a elementary school kid, it was torture. Yeah. Um, I would <laughs> much rather just 
pay someone <laughs> to to cut up a nice fish and, and eat it. Go the red lobster way. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I don't raise my own cows or my yeah. own chickens, and I don't <laughs> like fishing either. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then even then you would probably even despise further um, the commercial fishing aspect of just eight hours of throwing a net and bringing it in and throwing a net and with a livelihood that would depend on it. Right. No kidding. Um, so, um, again, putting ourselves there, I think it's really important to get the full view of that. So I, they must've been tough men. I mean, to, to oh, go out yeah. and do that day in yeah. and day out or evening. Yeah. Um, and just the, the strength and the, the ability to go out and do that. Yeah. Um, they must've really been, uh, a, a special group of, of a hardy um, bunch, yeah, of hardworking, yeah, persevering guys. And you know, I from all mm. indications, sort of one step above the shepherd. You mm-hmm. know, in terms of the socially acceptable. You know that they were still they were a fringe sort of uh, individual. Uh, you know, working overnight and all of that. So you have that. And the last thing I'll say is, I think it's interesting that it, we carry that to the first and second century churches with the ichthus. You know, and well today, right? If if what's an ichthus, Sinclair? Do you know what the ichthus is? Fish. The fish on the back of the car, yeah. right? <laughs> so in whatever ways the ichthus was used in the early centuries, perhaps as we understand it, or perhaps not ex- exactly, um, ichthus is the Greek word for fish, and it's used as an acronym. Uh, the the iota, uh, the the chi, the theta, the upsilon, uh, and the sigma, because they all stand for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, and so the, even there, it's uh, bringing that fish into uh, our faith. Yeah, and I think back to to Jesus praying before he picked the the twelve apostles, and yeah. um, knowing that the hardships that they were going to go through yeah. um, must have been in his mind, right? I mean, he kn- yeah. he knows all things, but um, picking a majority or, or at least a, a good percentage of, of the apostles as fishermen, knowing that they will be able to deal with the hard times. They'll yeah. be able to deal with, with the uh, difficult um, moments and persevere through them as they yeah. have had to in a very difficult industry, like, like commercial fishing where their, their lives depended on the, the night's catch. Never quite sought popularity themselves. Exactly. I mean, they were often rejected too. So yeah. Well, good. All right. So that's probably enough on, on fishing. I, you know, David, I asked um, about going to Israel each week because we've yeah. kind of positioned. Yeah. Have you ever been to Israel, the Sea of I Galilee? Have, or? I have not. Okay. I'd love to go. Capernaum? I have yeah. not. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, a question for you, David. Yes. Number four out yes. of the study guide. Okay. <clears throat> what does it look like to leave everything? What mm. should our small groups consider for discussion? And then uh, question five in terms of group dynamics, um, what, do we, what do we see there what can we learn from these things? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think fours it really piggybacks on the question that Terry mentioned and we've talked about already. I'd, the other thing I, I guess I would add to that is what we're leaving behind, you know, the, the things that certainly um, uh, get in our way or hamper our ability to follow obediently, obviously. Right. But I think we also need to consider leaving behind our past. I think sometimes uh, we enter in, maybe we come to a point of confession and belief, but we hang on to the, to the ways that we used to live, uh, to the guilt or the shame. And I think Jesus is even here saying, you know, follow me, leave that behind, leave it behind. It's almost the, you know, the hands on the plow. If you, if looking about backs, not fit for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, so I think even forgetting that. And then, uh, David, I would say that uh, that fifth question 
the group dynamics, you know, we've talked about the fishermen. We see Levi, the tax collector, and right away, I mean, that's they're at odds right away. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because cause you've got mm. two different uh, ends of the spectrum on class, social acceptance, wealth. And then you also throw in the idea that all the fish would have been taxed, you know, so who knows what Levi's role was in the whole tax system and and what he was actually taxing. But, you know, it could have been that there had been, you know, at odds even then. So uh, to me, this speaks of the dynamics that Jesus prayed over and was intentional about getting this group together. And I think sometimes we look for too many um, like-minded individuals to, to, uh, to fellowship with, to community, to have community with. Does that mean you shouldn't only go to a church where everybody is of your political preference? Well, that's probably a part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Because those guys in Matthew would have been politically. Absolutely. Yes. Really at odds with each other. Yes. Yeah. But Jesus called them. That's right. Well, you even have a professional zealot you know, as part of the group who would have been extremely political minded, you know, (laughs) in a very bad way. But um, so even even there, you know, so, yeah, I I think in so many ways that Jesus is is giving us the example of, hey, these guys aren't all alike. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think even to the degree that, um, you know, he would introduce, you know, you know, Mary Magdalene or others uh, that, uh, you know, his disciples, there were many disciples, there were 12 apostles. And so I think even amongst all of these disciples, there was just great diversity. Yeah. Yeah. And yet he called them to one cause. Does that make yeah, sense? There, it does. Yeah. And there, there certainly have, had to be a lot of diversity within that area. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing that, that kind of ties the two questions together is that it is important, especially as you, you become a, a Christian and have faith, your identity now is in Christ. It's no longer yes. those other things, that political identity, the family yeah. of origin, the race or, or whatever it might be, that we're all unified together under this one common thread, which is yes. Jesus. And so pulling in different backgrounds in the 12 must have been a, a way in which Jesus was also calling them to leave behind their old life and their old prejudice and their own beliefs and saying, we've got a new identity and this is what we're going to be doing going forward. Yeah, that's a great word. Yeah, good word. Which leads us to our our last word or our last look at Luke here, Sinclair. Uh, And that's really this emphasis on fellowship. You know, as we read the scripture, as we uh, sat under the teaching this weekend, um, it, it really was more than obviously confess and believe is is the important step to salvation but Jesus is calling them to much more than that he he doesn't ever speak to them as believers but as followers and why do you, why do you think that emphasis on fellowship is going to be something that we see throughout and i guess just any of the challenges that you guys see with you know us us uh, obeying that I'm clear i think today in our modern society, following someone is really easy for a lot of people to identify with because we follow people on Facebook. We follow people on Instagram, (laughs) right? We we follow our friends. We follow our favorite sports teams or our favorite products, influential people, maybe our favorite political uh, movement or whatever it might be. And and so when we follow these people, um, we feel like we're kind of joining in or a part of something bigger than we are, but we're not required to give anything up. Right. And we certainly are not 
developing a relationship with them. We yeah. might know more about whatever they're they're doing or whatever product mm-hmm. they're pushing, but we we don't have a relationship with yeah. them. And that's where I think this is is much more um, uh, separated, right, and much yeah. more called out. To to be a follower of Jesus is to develop a relationship yeah. with them. Um, I think about um, you know you you. you either go to college and you get a new group of friends or you get a job and you're now around people that are, are of, um, you know, of, of a new background and right. you start, are, you're introduced to a new group and you start hanging out with that group more and you find that the more time you spend with them, the more you begin to mimic what they do, yeah. say what they yeah. say. You want to eat at the same restaurants. You want to see the same movies so you can talk about them together. Yeah. Yeah. You might start cheering for a, you know, a different sport or something new. And so you begin to be like that new group of people. You would nice. begin to identify with, with them more. And I think it's the same with, with Jesus, right? I mean, we are not just called to believe, mm-hmm. but we're also called to follow. And as we follow and this time um, develops, we, we become more and more like him. The more time yeah. we spend with, with God, the more time we spend with, with Jesus, without even knowing it, we begin to, to mimic him and become more like him and reflect yeah. him. And I think that it's really a, an important step in our, in our faith so that we can grow in our relationship yeah. with, with God and that joy that he has begins to come out of us. The light that he has reflects out of us and, and we're filled with that energy and power. And, and in the end, it's not giving up or leaving behind something we wanted to hold on to. It's freely letting it's, go yeah. of it so that yeah. we can follow this new path yeah. and, and be one with Jesus. Gain something better. Yeah. Good. Good word. Thank you, David. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Just to avoid a dead faith, yeah. a dead faith. You know, James says faith without works is dead. Yeah. Jesus didn't say, just believe this and go about your life. Follow mm-hmm. me. It's, it's, it's full commitment. Yeah. And and there's a difficulty just really in our um, sinful nature, right? You know, that, that already puts up a wall. But I think today it's even more difficult. Maybe we've misinterpreted uh, uh, or redefined the idea of following as you mentioned, but uh, we certainly uh, seem to be a culture that despises uh, authority. And so to follow, to give up everything and really truly follow true definition of it uh, does mean the, the giving up and, and to give into authority. So it is difficult, but it's what we're called to do. It's why discipleship is important, why equipping, building up in order that we might be sent out to reach others as followers of Jesus. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate you you. coming to the table today, Sinclair. Of course. And uh, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, We do hope that in in the week ahead, may the Lord allow us all to know and to hear and to obey the words of Jesus as followers of him. Blessings, friends. Blessings, friends.